This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Here we are together as May turns into June. Hope things are going well with you. My sister gave my husband a t-shirt, and on it, it has the words, 75% of my brain is old song lyrics. And he just loves that t-shirt. But you know, there's something to it. There's something to it, how our brains hold on to old song lyrics. You know, you're listening to the radio or wherever you hear music, and a song from your childhood comes on, and you remember every single word. Well, today meet Dr. Conchetta Tomeno. She is the executive director and co-founder of the Institute for Music and Neurologic Function. Now in Mount Vernon, she a protege of Dr. Oliver Sacks, who you probably know from the Awakenings movie with Robin Williams. Connie and I met the other night at a cocktail party, and we just couldn't stop talking about the good work she does, so I invited her on the show to share that information with you. The IMNF, as they call it, the Institute for Music and neurologic function works with children who have speech and language issues using music they work with veterans who have ptsd they work with people who have mobility issues parkinson's disease and such and of course they work with people who have memory loss and alzheimer's Connie has seen all kinds of things. She spent her lifetime in this field, and we want to get in on the ground floor. Dr. Connie, where did it all begin? My background and my degrees, both my master's and my doctorate, are in music therapy. And when I was doing my internship in music therapy um, in the 70s, so 1977, 1978, I was working at a nursing home where people with end stages of Alzheimer's disease were kept in a, in a separate ward. And these people were minimally responsive, um, basically didn't even recognize where they were. Some of them were very agitated and restless. Others were totally non-responsive. And I knew in my training that music can reach anybody. And so I, I started to sing a familiar song and was shocked by the fact that the people who would, I was told were non-responsive at all, turned their head, looked at me, and started singing the words to this song. And the people who were agitated became totally calm, also very responsive. There was something about music that could reach even people who seemed unreachable. And then in the 1980s, my first pay job was at a facility in the Bronx, and that was where neurologist Dr. Oliver Sacks was working. And he was interested in the uh, effects of music on movement in his patients, in his awakenings patients. And so he and I just started, we became really good friends. It's like, what do we know about music in the brain? Who can help us study music in the brain? We have to tell people about this. This is so important. I had people who had strokes who couldn't speak, who through music were were speaking again. So we had approached the scientists to help us. At the time, there was no science that could really 
help understand how music is processed in the brain. But we kept trying and kept advocating. And then the board of directors at our facility realized that this was important and that we were on to something. By this time, you know, all of us acts became, became known. Awakenings became a famous movie. And um, I had become president of the Music Therapy Association in the United States. And our board of directors said, let's help Connie and Ollie um, do something with this. And that's how the institute was formed, as a, as a way of bringing together the worlds of neuroscience and clinical music therapy so we could advance both our understanding of music in the brain, but more specifically to help people understand and use music more effectively to help people with a whole range of, of neurologic conditions. We're talking to Dr. Connie Tomeno, the executive director and co-founder of the Institute for Music and Neurologic Function. That day that you sang, uh, do you remember what song you sang? Yeah, it was Let Me Call You Sweetheart. Oh, of course, Let Me Call You Sweetheart. What made you sing that day? The people there were in the 80s and 90s. I knew that that song would be something that would be so familiar to them. If anything, there's some part of them would, would understand and, and respond to that. You've really spent your life finding the science to support this, right? That's correct. Tell us how we can use this in our own lives with people in our own families. Can we? Well, you know, most of us, I mean, most everybody, I think, uses music for their own health and well-being. I mean, some of us escape with music. Some of us exercise to music. So I think inherently everybody knows that music has health benefits. Some people I know are living with family members who may have Alzheimer's disease or maybe early cognitive issues that may be uh, leading toward Alzheimer's. With those situations, they can really use music, familiar music, to help engage the person, to help them be connected, to help them maintain memories and relationships and, and recognition of other family members. It's a way for families to get together with a loved one who may have Alzheimer's and engage in music with them as a way of keeping the family together. So that's one example. If somebody has a movement disorder, something like Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis, they can find that they can use rhythmic music to help them move better. And that's because of the way the brain processes rhythm and listening to rhythm actually stimulates areas of the brain responsible for movement. And so people with movement disorders can actually use the music as a way to augment their ability to move. I think we all saw this in action, how uh, music can keep parts of your brain alive. When Tony Bennett took the stage at Radio City Music Hall with Lady Gaga, right? Absolutely. You know, what was really interesting about that, and she, she told the story, I think it was on, on 60 Minutes. She wasn't sure if he would recognize her. When she came on stage and she was totally blown away when she stepped on stage and he not only recognized her, but he said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Lady Gaga, you know, and he said her name. And what happened, I think why that was possible is when, when Tony Bennett was singing all those songs prior to her coming on stage, he was actually warming up his brain. Engaging the music actually stimulates so many areas of brain function. He was able then to recall her name and recognize her. Is that the best we can hope for in these kinds of situations, that, that music will stimulate the brain so someone remembers our name? Or is there more? Can there be more? At the heart of all this, 
the essence of who we are and a sense of self is always there and music can help gain access to that and allow that to come forward. So even though a person may over time lose their memory and, and lose those skills, there's still a way to connect to them as a person, as an individual, through music that was important to them. And it's a way of staying connected even when the person seems unable to remember anymore. That's the long-term effects. But in the short term, you know, if we're able to work with, say, with somebody like Tony Bennett, for him, singing every day, keeping his music going with him is going to delay the progression of the dementia. And I've seen that with my own clients, you know, that the more they're engaged, the more the brain is stimulated, the slower the progression. Tell us what's going on at the Institute for Music and Neurologic Function. What's an average day like there? We have programs here. The Institute is located now at Wartburg in Mount Vernon, which is a, um, a continuum of care for senior living, subacute rehabilitation, memory care, assisted living, independent senior living, and skilled nursing care. And so we have music therapy students from various college programs who do their internships here. So we have music therapy programs in all those different areas of care. We also have virtual programs, online programs right now for people with various types of challenges where we see them privately online. We also host right now online for the past nine years, a program for veterans with PTSD that meets every week called Healing Music for Veterans. And it's a support group where people share music and play music and bond together as a community through music. And it serves all the veterans in this area from the Bronx VA, the Yonkers VA, and other areas. In fact, we have one member who left and moved back to Virginia who's who's part of the group as well. And sometimes when, when we're able to get back together in person, then we've done live performances. Where do you find the musicians? Oh, they are the musicians. The veterans <laughs> themselves are the musicians. Some of them sing, and they, they're not professional musicians, but they find ways of playing various acoustic things that we have. Most of them sing. One person plays the bass. And then I play, and then I have volunteer musicians who help support them. Connie, tell us about some of the miracles you've seen. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some some beautiful things happen, right? Oh, absolutely. I've had people who couldn't talk because of a stroke, similar to Congresswoman Gabby Giffords, who lost their speech. In her case, it was a brain trauma, but people who've had strokes find themselves not able to speak, but sometimes can sing Happy Birthday or a familiar song. Those people can be trained to use sing-song-type music. I don't know if you know who Alan Lomax was, the musicologist. He was the person, he and his father were the were the people who recorded all the American folk songs. And he was, you know, with Pete Seeger, they together had, had promoted um, the preservation of American folk songs and music. Well, Alan had had a stroke himself um, many years ago, and he's now since passed, but he couldn't speak at all. Couldn't even sing, couldn't do anything, but still mentally as sharp as anything. His family was told that he may need long-term care, 
they came to the Institute hoping be, through music he may gain some of his skills back. And sure enough, it took some time, but using music that was familiar to him, he eventually got the rhythm back of his speech, and then eventually the words came back. And within three months, he was he was speaking again, and something that they never thought would happen. And if we didn't have your services or services like this, here's the perfect example of a brilliant man who would have spent the rest of his life in a mental trap. He's in there, but no one can reach him. Exactly. That's something we've been advocating for. I mean, we have so much interest now in in the country in in music therapy and the importance also in early child development. One of the things we've learned is that children with language delays may actually have problems with pattern perceptions. Give me an example of what that pattern of sound would be like. For example, when I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking in a continuous sound without a break. I am not speaking in syllables. So a child who doesn't understand da, 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 who can't parse those those changes isn't going to pick up the nuance of words followed by words. And so we teach them different patterns of, of sound and have them replicate that. And as their brain builds up those sensory systems, they're able then to better pick up the patterns of speech sound. Amazing. So you treat from the very young to the very old and everything in between. That's exactly right. The Institute for Music and Neurologic Function. It really is amazing. How have you seen um, changes over the years? Has technology brought any changes to your work? The most obvious one is the ability to do virtual programs. I mean, being able to reach people who can't leave their home for example, has opened up the possibilities. Um, The ability to find music online, uh, to have an actual recording or video of of Tony Bennett or Frank Sinatra at the Paramount in a certain year, to be able to play that in real time for a person who could relate to that music is an amazing tool. And then because of what's called MIDI instruments, digital music instruments that can work with computer systems or a tablet, we can adapt musical instruments so other people who aren't necessarily musicians can play them with great success and interact with other people. So we have a lot of ways of taking advantage of technology to augment the way people can make music together. Right. You don't have to go searching for music anywhere. It's just right there always from any different era. There's a lot of people listening right now who are saying the Institute for Music and Neurologic Function in Westchester, I never knew it was there. What do you want people to know about what's going on there? I want them to know they could reach out to us. You know, we we originally were in the Bronx, so New York City mostly focused, but I moved to Wartburg in in 2018. They can contact the IMNF at Wartburg. It's imnf.org or email us at imnf at wartburg.org and see if we can help. We also do training for other facilities. So if there's a skilled nursing or adult daycare interested in incorporating some therapeutic music programs beyond what they presently do, we do that as well. We do have special groups on site. I think we're going to be opening up to the public soon again. We have a program for people with Parkinson's disease and movement disorder. 
disorder, we have a program for people with aphasia, so that's a speech communication program, and we will be starting a program for children with language delays soon, plus the veterans program. And I'm sure many people are aware that actor Bruce Willis has been diagnosed with aphasia, so he would be potentially a candidate for these kinds of programs, right? That's exactly right. People should also know that we do do in-home music therapy, so if um, that's of interest too. There's so many ways that music therapy can help that people should really think about it. Is there anything we can do for you? Spread the word. Spread the word. Happy to do that. Dr. Connie Tomeno, the Institute for Music and Neurologic Function. Reach out. Give a call. You never know how it may help someone you love. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for tuning in to Shine On. Looking forward to seeing you this summer. We have a women's retreat in August at the Mariondale Retreat Center in Ossining. People keep coming up to me and volunteering their services to be part of this weekend. But I'll probably pay them anyway. We have a wonderful couple, husband and wife, who are bringing their chairs for massage, for chair massage. So everybody's going to get a free chair massage on our relaxing weekend where there is air conditioning in a swimming pool. I met another lovely lady at the market on the river, and she does beautiful art with nature. So we're going to take a nature walk and then create a little arts and crafts segment, create a beautiful structure from simple materials to put those flowers and things from nature that we find to display them. Looking forward to that. And who else? Oh, one of my Reiki friends, Beryl, and a woman from the circle, Joanne, both Reiki healers, will present a special program on tools we can use for self-care and what tools are working now. Because, you know, we're always changing. What worked yesterday may not work today. Thank goodness we've got lots and lots of tools. And speaking of new tools, how about imagining your life as a symphony or a very long concert? Meet Michael Alsay. He is a psychologist. He is a musician. He is a psychologist to musicians and artists. And his first book is called Therapeutic Improvisation. I've been practicing about 15 years. I've, I've done a lot of work with young adults in college counseling work with adults and now in addition to my private practice I work at the Manhattan School of Music so I work with a lot of working musicians and artists as well. You work at the Manhattan School of Music? Yeah I work at their counseling center so I provide therapy to the students who are training to be classical and jazz musicians, musical theater folks and um, I've also done a lot of training for therapists in their training programs. I was once a training coordinator at a college counseling uh, center so I'm really interested in helping people learn how to do therapy and also helping people to understand what therapy is really about and what mental health is really about. Wow. These are some huge, huge things. Are you yourself a musician? I am. I grew up playing piano, uh, started playing classical when I was young and had a wonderful Juilliard trained uh, teacher. And then later in college, I started doing some jazz. And while I'm never near the professional level of the students that I work with, I feel like therapy is its own music and life is its own music. And if you follow the changes and like David Bowie said, you turn and face the strange. There's a lot of interesting new things and new musical places you can go. So connect the dots for me. Therapy and improvisation, where do they come together? Yeah, you know, we tend to think of ourselves as really static creatures that we should be able to just be. I should feel this. I should continuously think that. 
but we're changing all the time. Our moods, our emotions, our thoughts are changing. And so really to understand mental health is to learn how to read the core changes that are happening inside. And so improvisation is how we all operate. We all do it all the time in social situations, in our families, in our relationships, in our friendships. In fact, we do it so instinctively sometimes that we don't even realize that we're doing it. And from one moment to another, we can feel like we're different people, but we know that we're the same person carrying all these different polyphonic melodies. All right, Michael, give me an example of how I improvise or how you improvise. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because we're also playing off of each other. So we also instinctively kind of tend to think of what am I working with? Who am I collaborating with? And how able are you, Casey, to be able to really like stay with my sadness or my frustration or my dreams? And how much can you then kind of share back of your story and can we kind of come up with a new line together oh man that's beautiful that's beautiful right oh wow by the way it's why it's why it's why music speaks to us music speaks to us because it helps us to express contain and clarify why it is that the one that we still love we still love the one who left us or we hope for that we hope for despite the odds or why we hate and love the same person who is supposed to fulfill our dreams. All of it is in music, whether it's the Beatles or any current pop artist right now or anything from the past. It's all about talking about that mixture of everything that we're all trying to improvise and trying to figure out. All right. Do you think everybody should be in therapy? I think if everybody is not in therapy, it's all about is everybody allowing themselves to have therapeutic moments. And therapeutic moments actually aren't just about getting rid of problems, they're about tapping into our fullest creativity, our fullest capacity for who we are or what we're capable of. So in that way, yes, not necessarily everybody has to be in therapy, because I feel like it's almost like saying, should every musician be taking lessons? Sure, even the best should be going and training throughout their lives and should be teaching, but they don't have to be as long as they're working on their craft. Gotcha. What is the best use of our time right here, Michael? How can we, for the people listening, give them the most nutritious thing when we talk about uh, mental health awareness? Yeah, I think sometimes we, we tend to, we've gotten really good as a culture of diagnosing and categorizing what our different ailments and problems are, which is great so that we have more awareness, which is fantastic. But we should also realize that those quote-unquote problems are often the result of these intricate changes and aspects of how we work. And if we can learn how to be more in tune with them and learn how to work with them. In other words, if we had Quincy Jones in the studio of our psyches helping us figure out what's the right balance of our levels and how to create the combination between this and that, we'd all be in a better place. Yeah. And, and I just read, Quincy Jones wrote a really great book called 12 Notes that just came out. And he says, basically, music is about science and soul. And understanding how we work as a, our psyche is about science, our, the neuroscience of how we work, and soul which is figuring out how to tap into those emotions and make something beautiful out of them. When you talked about the categorizing, I can really relate to that because if you even spend five minutes on TikTok, you're going to come across a dozen short videos because everybody's an expert now on narcissism and inner child and trauma, right? Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, right? It is funny. So, so we're talking about it, and that's a good thing. People, mental health is much more in the forefront these days, thanks, I think. 
think, to a lot of young actors and musicians who are mm-hmm. talking about it. So, so we do mm-hmm. appreciate that. It makes conversations like this that much easier. So Therapeutic Improvisation, you've written the book, and who should be reading it? It's really geared for therapists who want to learn how to do this craft better. It's for graduate students. It's for early career therapists. It's for people who are excited to find their own unique voice as therapists. But it's also for people, I think, who want to understand, people in the general audience who want to understand how does therapy work? What should I be looking for in my therapist? And, and how, does the human, how does the human mind work? How does the human heart work that, so that we can kind of tap into our fullest? Because when you said before, it's great that these young actors and singers and other folks have brought us to see what mental health issues are. We want to kind of, we want to include, in, in addition to just problems, problems and possibilities. That's where understanding what is the instrument that we're working with and how can we use it to our fullest. That's Michael Alcee, A-L-C-E-E. He's from Terrytown. He has a book called Therapeutic Improvisation. And it is time for our thought for the day. And it's from Plato, who said, Music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on. Shine on.